I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast, where we talk all things leadership, business communication, and trends in organizational life. I'm your host, Dr. Janelle Anderson. Now, we've all got the person in our work lives, or maybe our personal lives, that we need to tiptoe around. Let's talk about at work. Maybe it's the person who is very sensitive and takes everything personally and always feels attacked. Or maybe it's the person who's been there forever and thinks they know everything and they act as if they are the chief expert on everything related to the company and the customer. Or maybe it's the person who's different in some aspect and uses that difference as a defense mechanism, saying things like, you're only leveling that criticism at me because I'm, and then insert your difference of choice here. So many people will indeed tiptoe around these colleagues and not share important information with them. Typically information about their performance or how they could do something better, or if they've done something incorrectly. It's detrimental to the workplace, and frankly, it's not in service to the person or anyone else in the organization. In this episode, I'm going to help you stop tiptoeing around hypersensitive people. I'm going to share a secret weapon from my arsenal of coaching tools that will help you powerfully deal with the highly sensitive person that you typically tiptoe around. It's the concept of ruthless compassion. Ruthless compassion is necessary to penetrate illusions, to call people out on their bad behavior or their misperceptions of reality. You'll find permission to share that critical information with them when you are being ruthlessly compassionate. You will see that it's actually in the highest service to all to stop tiptoeing and start being more direct. And with compassion leading the way, you won't feel bad about sharing what you need to share. Let's dig into what I mean by ruthless compassion, and then I'll show you how to use it. First, let's tackle compassion. Sometimes people confuse empathy with compassion. Empathy, of course, is about understanding how others feel. And it's best done when you can really relate to what the other person is experiencing because you've been there yourself. Now, you don't need to, and in fact, shouldn't necessarily mention your similar experience. We do want to keep the focus on the other person and keep their issues and concerns center stage. But when you can understand from a place of having been there before yourself, you can tap into empathy. Compassion, however, goes a step further and in a couple of key ways. First, it still draws on our own experience. And to that, we also acknowledge any 
fear, anxiety, uneasiness, and even dread or terror that the other person might be feeling. We fully acknowledge that they have an experience that might be deeper and scarier than our own, that they've had a lived experience that brings whatever seemingly dysfunctional behavior to the table as the correct course of action or behavior. Again, this isn't something that you say out loud to the other person. You just take it fully into consideration that their experience is different than yours and it might be far, far worse than yours. The second part of compassion is that we're going to put some action behind our words. We're going to offer some help for the other person to get through it. So when bringing the issue up, you're planning to support the other person in some actionable way. And a quick note on ruthlessness. You are going to hold on to this compassion so very fiercely. You're going to be ruthless about remaining compassionate throughout the interaction with them. And in many cases, it will be multiple interactions as you coach them through something. You're not going to back down from your compassion. You are not going to get defensive yourself. You are not going to get triggered. You are taking a stand for the other person through your compassion, and you are totally committed to it. Ruthless. So you might go into a situation where you need ruthless compassion, thinking something like this to yourself. What I'm about to share with this person is not going to land easily for them. They've got a whole life's worth of experience that may include pain, suffering, embarrassment, and many other deeply felt emotions that I know nothing about. And still, I'm committed to making a difference for this person. I'm committed to having them see that their behavior isn't working for the rest of the team. And I know that it's going to be really hard for them to hear this and to really get it in a meaningful way. But they are important enough. And the team is important enough. And the work that we do is important enough that it is worth the discomfort both for me and for them. When you say something like that to yourself and when you really hold the space and are committed to it, ruthlessly committed to it, from that place, you can bring up the undiscussable, the issue they get defensive about, that thing that everybody has been tiptoeing around. So here are a few places that I've used ruthless compassion in my work. Many years ago, I had an employee who was highly defensive because she had worked for the company for a very long time, much longer than I had. But most of her work was done in a different department. When she took a lateral transfer and came to work for me, there were aspects of what we did that were different from the way that she'd done them in the other department. These were deeply seated beliefs for her, and it was easy for her to get defensive and righteous, frankly, drawing on her depth of experience with the organization. Now, in order to have a meaningful conversation, a conversation that would help her grow into her role on my team, 
I had to deeply understand her commitment to how things used to be. And I really needed to get her. And I needed to get that her identity, her identity as a longtime employee of the company, was wrapped up in how she was behaving. And I needed to understand that in having this conversation with her, what I was calling for was an identity shift. Now, identity is one of those things that is almost invisible to us, but is such a deep and important part of us. So I really needed to get that I was calling for an identity shift. And coming from a place of ruthless compassion, from that place, I could forge a new connection with her, a deeper connection, and give her the feedback that she needed to be successful on my team. My initial efforts before I got ruthlessly compassionate with her were not very successful, frankly. I was met with defensiveness, resistance, and, but that's not how we do it here. But from a place of ruthless compassion, where I could truly get the value and the depth of experience that she had with the organization and how that was tied up in her identity from there, I could start the conversation and be with the conversation in a completely different way. And in fact, that time coming at the conversation, and it wasn't just one conversation, it was multiple conversations with her over time, but being committed to Ruthless compassion throughout those conversations absolutely made a difference. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. A second example was an employee that I once had who was a great fit with the team culture, but really didn't have all the skills that he needed to be successful. He needed additional training, but he couldn't see it. He didn't think he needed additional training. Now I had a choice. I could get him to see that he needed to skill up or I could let him go. Or of course I had a third choice. I could have let the status quo continue, but everyone on the team, of course, except him knew that that wasn't working. So I had the conversation with him, but from a place of ruthless compassion, I went into it thinking he thinks he's a high performer. He thinks his skills are on par with others in the team. And there must be something about his identity and his performance and the way he perceives himself that leads him to believe that he is on par with the others on the team and that he is a high performer. 
So he thinks he is, and I must imagine how devastating it's going to be for him to eventually realize that his skills are not on par with the others on the team and that he is not a high performer. This is the kind of person who's defensive in their performance review every time you bring up something that they're not doing particularly well or areas for improvement, growth, and opportunity. Now, I did not have this conversation with him inside of a performance review. Performance reviews had long since passed, and his defensiveness, of course, was present there and many other places. In the conversation with him, I gave him a choice. And the choice that I gave him was this. I said, you can continue to be an employee who gets by on this team, or you can level up your skills to really be a leader and a high performer on this team. I also gave some background information about conversations we'd previously had. I also, in that conversation, was ready with some data that showed that he was not performing at the level that his teammates were. I was also ready with some very specific things that he could do, classes he could take, people he could mentor with, and so forth, to skill up and get him at the level that he could be a high performer. Again, it was a difficult conversation and identity was involved because his identity did not necessarily match how he was being perceived by others. Yes, it was a hard conversation, but only a conversation where I could make a difference when I was coming at the issue through the lens of ruthless compassion. Again, I had to acknowledge that I didn't fully know his past. I didn't know all of his experiences. I didn't know if there were times in his past where he'd felt deeply embarrassed or anxious or angry when somebody pointed out his lack of skill. I had to set all of that aside and acknowledge that I did not know his life experience and acknowledge that his life experience was probably far, far different from mine. The monsters lurking in the dark corners in his life were different than the monsters lurking in dark corners in my life. And from that place of ruthless compassion, I took on the conversation. Now there's a third way I've used ruthless compassion. I've coached senior leaders on how to use ruthless compassion themselves when sharing difficult news with team members or sometimes their whole team. And in those conversations, It's quite interesting because there are multiple layers of ruthless compassion. Not only am I explaining the concept of ruthless compassion and teaching them how to use it, I am also being ruthlessly compassionate with them, especially if they've got an employee that they've been tiptoeing around. So in cases like that, I'm saying something to the person that I am coaching, the executive that I'm coaching, I'm saying something like, Do you want to be a transformational leader, a generative leader who really brings out the best in people? Or do you want to be a reactive manager who lets people get by with things and lets people on your team just skate by? (laughs) So when I'm asking a question like that, 
I'm also coming at it from a place of ruthless compassion. And what I will often also say is, as your coach, as your executive coach, I support you either way. Sometimes for a variety of reasons, you might not have the capacity to have a breakthrough with your difficult employee. And if this is not the time, I support you in your tiptoeing. But if this is the time, I completely have your back. Now, when companies reorganize and people are laid off, it's incredibly helpful to approach the situation with ruthless compassion if you are one of those senior leaders or even a manager in the middle of the ranks. These are not just numbers on a spreadsheet, duplications of effort, right-sizing or workforce optimizations or whatever other euphemism for layoff is in vogue at the time. These are people's lives and livelihoods and their identities are wrapped up in the situation. When leading with ruthless compassion, your delivery of bad news will not necessarily be easier for anyone to hear, but it's more likely to land in a meaningful way. So if you are a senior leader who's been tiptoeing around something with one of your employees, know that I've got your back. I want you to be ruthlessly compassionate and stop tiptoeing around the issue. Now, before we close, let me add a few ideas about when it's easiest to forget to be ruthlessly compassionate. When you're in a hurry, when you are stressed, when the stakes are high, when you might be wrapped up in the middle of it yourself and your own identity might be at stake. Now, personally, I fall down a lot with my children on ruthless compassion. When I'm in a hurry and they're facing something that makes them uneasy, like going to a new program or summer camp, or they're having an issue with a friend or some other personal issue. And again, if I'm in a hurry or stressed myself, whatever the case may be, I can easily forget to consider how scared or nervous or anxious they might be. And of course, in that state, whatever comes out of my mouth is likely to be completely tone deaf to their emotional state and oftentimes has a better chance of making things worse than making them better. So I need to slow down and check myself. And from that place, then I can be ruthlessly compassionate. And in fact, we might still get there in better time, especially if I'm rushed than if I forced the issue. So in order to be ruthlessly compassionate, whether with our family members or our employees or our colleagues, we do need to check ourselves first. Then understand and empathize with the other person and take it a step further to be truly compassionate and then stick to our compassion. No matter what, be ruthless. If you've got a situation that you're tiptoeing around, remember you have a choice. You can continue to dance around it or you can address it with ruthless compassion. Know that I've got your back. Use ruthless compassion to discuss the unspeakable. I know it will feel challenging. And I also know you will be courageous. Stop dancing around the issue and be of service from a place of ruthless compassion. 
I'd love to hear your success stories. So if you use ruthless compassion and get through to somebody in a new way, drop me a DM on Instagram or LinkedIn or wherever we might be connected because I love to hear your success stories. If this episode has been helpful to you, please drop me a line and let me know, or better yet, go to the platform where you listen to podcasts, give me a five-star review and a short comment. It will help other listeners find this episode and this podcast, and I will be eternally grateful. Until next time, be well, my friends. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.